by minutes, project number five. It's Silverado this time, that's no jive. By Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote the show. Best saddle up now, kids, cause here we go! Howdy, and welcome back to another episode of the Silverado Minute Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1985 Lawrence Kasdan-directed Western Silverado, one minute of screen time per episode. Uh, this week, uh, I am your host, Sean, and I'm from the Next Scene Podcast. And with me is Brian. Hello. I'm also from the Next Scene Podcast. All right. Welcome, Brian. Welcome. And welcome back, listeners. We'll be, uh, we'll be your host for this week, uh, taking you from minute 56 all the way through minute 60. So let's let's dive right in. Uh, starting with minute, we start off minute fifty six. We're wrapping off the the previous scene. We've got uh, we're with the whole family. We've got Emmett and Jake and Sister Kate, Scott and Augie all gathered around, talking about well, they're talking about the McKendricks and talking about trouble, right? That's for sure. Big <laughs> trouble. And uh, this is what's his name? Um, this guy right here. It's exactly he's great he's great he's basically good in every everything i've ever seen him in yeah he's he's really good he's kind of the the star of the film for me or one of the stars so obviously one of the the, the standouts as as emmett here um yeah so he's says as uh, as we heard last week uh he's with his brother jake and they've made his made their way out to uh out mm-hmm. to their sister and her family and uh you know he's he's just got back from five years in prison, and uh, sounds like they're looking for more trouble. He talks about uh, I did five years I didn't owe, which is right. um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of killing in this film by the supposed heroes, by our good guys, but it's it, you know it's all in self defense, right? The the other guy drew first. That's right. Yeah, he drew first, and, and you know just to just to get from the previous minute into this one for a moment it is which i think really the the this minute uh goes over this setup it's great setup you know it's something happened something something happened he's back they're together you know this is just going to be some kind of epic uh later on in the movie between uh all these characters yeah, yeah. So I mean, because we're you know we're we're closing in on about an hour through the film. We're nearly halfway through, and that you know they they seem to kind of settle, um, you know, kind of settle the, the the conflict. So Jake, you know, Emmett broke uh, broke his brother Jake out of prison, and they're they're off and they're free. And and Mal Malachi is you know back with his father on the farm, and they've managed to you know they help the wagon train reach um silverado or wherever it was they were going um and you know and they kind of you know that that little group that kind of magnificent four mm-hmm. they uh you know they they saved the day they got the money back for the wagon train they saw them to their final destination and now they're they go their separate ways they go home and you kind of feel like all right this is you know all right can we can we just yeah. you know kind of wrap it up have live happily ever after Everything's good, <laughs> but it, but it show it shows you that this isn't the end of it. That's the feeling mm-hmm. you get. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, some names come up that I'll I, I think we want to talk more about uh, for the the second part of this minute um, mm-hmm. when we see Malachi and, and Ezra. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so this is kind of um, you know kind of nice little family scene. They're having dinner 
around the table and seem relatively normal for, you know, kind of just the, the wild little bit, you know, wild west, as they call it, um, mm-hmm. for, for a reason, you know, kind of from the wild west bits that we've seen up to this point, this seems, yeah, kind of just like normal home scene kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it, again, it quickly transitions right to the next scene, mm-hmm. no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> the, the next scene yeah yeah um, so so yeah so be, before we move on i'll take this i think this is a good point before we move on to the next scene um let's talk about uh you know by way of uh, introducing ourselves to the listeners we can talk a little bit about our our history with with silverado and and kind of movie westerns in general so what's brian what's your history with this film well I, my history with this film is i have no history uh <laughs> i've just recently seen it uh, mm-hmm. but only because we're doing these minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a huge Western fan. Uh, I, I think there's probably five better movies to do than this one. Uh, Tombstone being the one. Shout out to Dave mm-hmm. Palace. I'm sure he's with me on that. Uh, <laughs> Quick and the Dead, Unforgiven, mm-hmm. um, Back to the Future 3. All these, in my opinion, are better than this movie. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's, I think I think that's contra. I think like like well, you know, Tombstone, Quick in the Dead. I think you're getting you're you're getting a lot of agreement. A lot of listeners are nodding along at home. Right. Back to the Future Three. I think that's I think that's <laughs> an unusual take. I don't know if I, that's uh, as popular as you know with, with uh, a lot of folk as it is with you. Yeah, I don't. I just yeah, I'm not a big fan of of, of westerns really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although that's interesting. You when you mention that in the in this context because. Mm-hmm. I know, and, and maybe I'm projecting my own opinions and, and, and biases. I think of the the Back to the Future franchise. Mm-hmm. I think the you know certainly the first one, even the second one, is a much stronger, a much better film than the third. But I've always looked at it in the context of those three films. I never really kind of thought of it, or you know, obviously it is a western. It happens in you know the in the old west, but I never. Um, you know, I never examined it or thought about it from the perspective comparing it to other westerns versus comparing it to other Back uh, to I, the Future right, films. I see what you're so, um, so that you, because so mentioning that in this context as a western, I kind of maybe I need to revisit. Maybe yeah, I just I haven't. Mean, yeah, right. Yes, it's it's a, a, maybe not a great movie. It's probably the weakest of the Back to the Future movies. But as a western, I'm liking it at least more than this movie. It, okay. Probably not more than like say an Unforgiven <laughs> or uh, I mean I think Tombstone is actually the best Western that that is that would be my number one. Interesting. Okay. All right. Good choice. What's Good your choice. number one? Yeah. So well, yeah. So I, I think I have a similar background where I first saw this film a few months ago uh, because of the podcast coming up. So it was something I hadn't <laughs> seen. Like you, I'm uh, yeah not a huge fan of the Western. Not my my most favorite genre. And, and, you know, I, I uh, may raise some eyebrows when I say this, but I'm not a big fan of Kevin Costner. And Ooh, I always kind of right. heard of this as a Kevin Costner film. So I wasn't really motivated to seek it out. But now that I've seen it, I'm like, um, you know, the Costner bits, it's a really small, no, not really small, but it's kind of 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 the lead ensemble. I think it's the smallest role. It's smaller than Danny Glover or Scott Glenn or, right. or um, Kevin Klein. So there's there's a little bit of Costner, which for me, a little bit of Costner goes a long way. Yeah. So I, I hadn't, I hadn't sought it out uh, again, just not, um, you know, if you tell me it's a, a Kevin Costner West Western, I've 
checked out at that point. Um, <laughs> now, if you told me, you know, it's, it, you get a lot more Kevin Klein and, and Danny Glover than Kevin Costner, then I'd be more interested. So now, um, if I was like, this is a Scott Glenn Western, you would have been there opening night. <laughs> yes, I'd be there on the red carpet with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so I don't have a long history with, with the film. I did enjoy it. I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, hmm. Again, I think part of it was it's 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 Kevin Costner's in it. It's not a Kevin Costner film is mm-hmm. how I would mm-hmm. say. So, yeah, I, 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 I did enjoy right. it. Um, I, yeah, I think it, that's right. I actually think that's a pretty good, accurate statement. It's not really his movie. Yeah, yeah. So in, in terms of um, kind of broader thing, like my favorite Westerns, I, my number one is Blazing Saddles. Oh, uh, I, I, yeah. I didn't even – you know what? I forgot about that. <laughs> yes, yeah. That you can't is... forget about the Blazing Saddles. Right, right. Um, and I'll put that up because I think – to do a really good parody, you have to know and, you know, you have to know your subject, obviously, but I think you also have to be a good example of it. Mm-hmm. And I'll point another Mel Brooks film, Young Frankenstein, um, mm-hmm. which which I, I've spoken about at length. Shout out to uh, uh, Wilder Ride, uh, which which talked about the films of, um, of Gene Wilder, including Young Frankenstein, which I think, you know, Young Frankenstein, if... Obviously, one of the best comedies ever, I would say best, but it, it's certainly up there. I think everyone would agree. But even if you take the comedy out, I think it's a great monster film. It's a great retelling of, of the Frankenstein story. And same thing with Blazing Saddles, I think is a great, uh, maybe not a great, like a really, really good Western. And it touches mm-hmm. on all the all the right themes um, mm-hmm. that really are at the, the core of the genre. So I, I think that's my favorite. Um, I'll also throw out HUD. With Paul Newman and Patricia Neal uh, from 1963 about some ranchers and never saw um, that. Oh, it's it's good. I would say check it out. It's um yeah definitely worth seeking out. One of one of Paul Newman's best, mm-hmm. um, HUD, and also uh, the Misfits uh, with Marilyn Monroe and, and Clark Gable from from 1961, wow. which are not. I mean, those are not traditional westerns. Not kind of your old you know John Wayne. Uh, type westerns, but uh, I think they fit the genre, and I think they're they're good examples. All right, all right, yeah. I'm gonna have to check those out now. Yeah, I would definitely say check those out. Definitely HUD. Um, definitely HUD is worth yeah. checking out. And The Misfits, I believe, is was the last film for both Marilyn Monroe and Clark Gable, if I have that correct. All right, um, from from 1961. Um, and so, like some of the thing, you know, some of the things I'm looking for, like when I think a western is, well, they all come down to they're eventually about land. At, at mm-hmm. the heart of it. Well, I mean, they're all, they're about the people. It's about the the relationships and the people and, and, and that kind of thing. But the the plots, the storylines, um, there's you know there's a lot of conflict in the West over land and, and the Western right. expansion. Um, you know, a lot of it was between well, something like Blazing Saddles, the um, the railroads was a big thing as the railroads go through and they need land. Mm-hmm. Um, both taking land for the railroad itself and then the land around the railroad stops. You'd have, you know, just worthless dust bowl in the middle of nowhere, but you put a train station there and suddenly you've got people and people bring money and suddenly there's, you know, suddenly this land is worth a lot because you're by, you know, you're near the, the train stop. So mm-hmm. um, the railroads, uh, you know, and how that affected land and land value and location was a big thing in Westerns. And also um, cattle, you knew you need a lot of land for cattle to, you know, for them to graze and, and move through. And that, um, that introduced a lot of conflict with farmers and, 
um, you know, farmers that were growing stuff and then sheep herders and, and, and things like that um, kind of conflict over um, over land. So that's something um, that we see. Uh, see, see and a now lot I always. I want to I want to throw in the revenge narrative too. Uh, a lot of westerns it's all about revenge. Mhm. You know yeah. that that yeah. that that can make them interesting. Yeah, that can. But yeah, I mean the land, the cattle, absolutely. I mean today today's western what do you know? What are you going to argue over bitcoin and uh you know. <laughs> but you know, you still to this day trains and 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 oil and stuff like that is still common. Yeah. Well, it's 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 interesting we we um <laughs> We actually haven't discussed this beforehand, but you were you were, I was kind of wondering, I was like trying to segue to something, kind of wondering how am I gonna do it? And then you set me up perfectly because there you go. watching this film and then thinking about westerns and and, and so forth, and, and kind of that theme of land, of of the cattle that we'll we'll be talking about for the second half of this minute and, and things like that made me start thinking about the more modern noir. Mm-hmm. And one thing in film noir is like so many, I don't know, I wouldn't say all of them, but so many of them ultimately come down to land. You know, think about mm-hmm. Chinatown or Into the Night or Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's always like a land deal, whether it's, you know, well, we're building a freeway. It's kind of like the modern railroad or mm-hmm. water rights. You know, there's the, they always come down to a land deal somehow at the end, kind of like the Westerns um, right. you know, come down to land. So there's kind of like... Um, and there's, you know, there's the, uh, you know, noir has, there's a lot of private eyes. So there's a lot of like, oh, my partner was killed. And so I got to get revenge. I got to find right. the killer. So there's like that, um, you know, that aspect of of kind of the cowboy mystique or the Wild West mystique in films. Um, you know, the, the sheriff and law and order and outlaws. So, um, yeah, so that made me, in, in thinking about this film, made me think about, um, noir in a different light. And that's kind of, um, yeah, like the, the modern cowboy, like the, you know, the Wild West chef, chef, uh, sheriff, excuse me, mm-hmm. the Wild West sheriff is kind of like the modern day private eye. And these, uh, you know, battles over railroads and cattle is kind of like, you know, yeah, oil and water rights and, right. and freeways and stuff like that. So, um, uh, so there's kind of a, a common thread that runs through from, the traditional Western of the forties and fifties through the, uh, the noir of, uh, you know, modern times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I definitely, we did, um, last boy scout. Uh, I believe you, you mentioned that on that episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that was another one. Like ultimately came yeah. down to a land. It's always, it always comes out. It's always a land deal. There's always a land deal in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, and you know, advancing forward on this minute now yeah, it is about cattle and, and, and land in a way yeah, actually it is about land yeah so we we leave uh emmett and jake and we head over mm-hmm. to uh to mal who's uh who's out riding with his with uh his father ezra and uh yeah approached by um red and scruffy who do we do we know them do we know this is red and scruffy through the film mm-hmm. i know i i picked it up it's in the script I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah so, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. So uh so red and scruffy, um, who are quite scruffy. I don't know if they're I don't know how red red is, but but scruffy is scruffy. So red and scruffy um are you know approach uh Mal and, and Ezra and say this is um you know, this is McKendrick land. 
this is McKendrick's right. cattle and this is his land. And that's like, hey, wait, that should did hey, we were just talking about McKendrick, you know, weren't we just wasn't that the guy that right. Emmett killed that he was in jail for? That you know, he was locked and, away for five years. And you know, I will say this, getting back to this movie, it I do like how it's setting up. I mean, you could just tell just even on these minutes isolated, it's like Okay, something something's gonna happen. Something's gonna go down. This isn't the end of it. There's gonna be a big climax here. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah is is really smooth the way they kind of introduce the that name, introduce kind of the McKendrick family, the father and son, and then mm-hmm. here we're like the next scene. We flip right to it because um, they the filmmakers know Lawrence knows. As an audience, we're not too bright. You kind of got to hit us over the head. Thing. So it's like right. the very next scene, we're talking about McKendrick all over again. Um, and I think I'm, I'm pretty sure um, I did search the, the the copy of the script I have, which I know is not the final, uh, you know, kind of not, not the final thing, you know, words that actually showed up on screen. But so I think the first time we heard this name McKendrick was just this previous scene mm-hmm. with um, – you know, Jake and Emmett, uh, you know, getting back with with the sister Kate, because I know like Emmett had talked about he was away for a while and um, how his situation was similar to Jake's and that he he shot in self-defense. But I think mm-hmm. that's the first time we heard the name McKendrick and it like right away it's coming back again and right. coming back with that theme of land. And it's like, OK, you know, uh, you know, Ezra wants to farm. So, you know, he wants, you know, if you got a farm, you got to close off the land. You don't want cattle going through um and i think if i remember this right i may have it backwards i think cows like cattle pulls will pull up grass whereas sheep just bite the grass so like if you have a lawn you can have sheep come through and you just have shorter grass afterwards whereas (laughs) if cattle come through they don't bite the grass they pull it up and then you're just left with dirt Nothing. Mm. So, I mean, certainly you don't want any kind of livestock going through your farmland if you're trying to, um, you know, grow something. But, uh, you know, having cattle come through just absolutely destroys it for a farmer, Mm -hmm. you know, which kind of leads to a lot of these kind of conflicts and the conflict that we're we're seeing here uh, between uh, McKendrick's boys and and Ezra and his son. Um, So, yeah, this is good. This is uh, is an interesting um, and it may be just something I came up with just because we happen to have this week, but this is around the point in Star Wars when Han and Luke and and, uh, and Kenobi are approaching the Death Star. It's around like 56, 58, uh, you know, almost mm-hmm. an hour into Star Wars when kind of they, you know, they go through all the conflict and all the hassle of getting off of Tatooine and then the next, you know, kind of the, the next act of the film, like the next part, the mm-hmm. conflict on the Death Star is happening. It's right around the same point in the film here mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as as we're kicking off to, yeah, what, what's going to be... storytelling similarities, <laughs> if you will. I Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, uh, I may be reaching for straws on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, yes. it is, I, yeah, I mean, just, well, first of all, Danny Glover, love him. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure you do too. I think. Oh yeah, and uh, you know he's good. He's good in this. Solid. Solid. Uh, is this this is eighty five? This is eighty five, right? right. So yeah. when is Lethal Weapon? This is embarrassing, but when is it? That's after this, right? I'm pretty sure. Let's That's see. what I'm thinking. That's okay. So Lethal Weapon is after this. So Danny Glover, um, 
I guess not. I mean, he's he's a star, but I feel like Lethal Weapon really propels him. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's eighty seven. Oh, I'm looking okay. like so he was he really didn't do a lot. I'm a little surprised that there isn't more in IMDb before yeah. this. I guess this is kind of like he, he there's a couple like single episodes of certain TV series. He's credited as inmate in Escape from Alcatraz. Oh, so he really um, hasn't hit big yet. Yeah, I mean he was he was one of the cops in Witness. Which was also okay. eighty five. I don't. I don't know if if which one came out earlier in the year. Right. Um, so that yeah, he was in Witness in eighty five, but I you know wasn't really a a main focal point of, of mm-hmm. that. Um, I kind of for oh also eighty five. I think my first memory of Danny Glover is in The Color Purple. Oh okay. Um, as as Albert, he had a a, a pretty big supporting part in that, mm-hmm. a pretty notable mm-hmm. part. Um, and then yeah, Lethal Weapon is eighty seven. And I think that yeah. really, yeah, that That's, that, that makes him. It. Yeah, and then he's like, "Oh, this guy's a star." Yeah, Lethal Weapon in '87. He does. Uh, he's Nelson Mandela for for a TV movie, although that's not the way I remember it. Um, right. re- re- returns to the Western Lo- Lonesome Dove, the TV miniseries in '89, mm-hmm. um, and then you know Lethal Weapon two and, and and so forth. But right. yeah, so at this point, he's hey, he's still you know he's still an up and comer. He's still struggling to to make a name. Right, um, and I think he does. Course, yeah, I think he does really well. And his line about the the gun, I I, I don't have the script, but the the gun, the, you know what a hole looks like. I mean that that's just that's just good <laughs> storytelling right there. Yeah, that yeah. that's good. You ever see you know what a hole this whatever gun it was looks like? I mean you just you know you're you almost just you're waiting for that moment. You're waiting now for him to show what's going to happen. Yeah, he talks about we, we, we touch on a little bit more next minute. He talks about his yeah. Henry rifle. Um, yes, yes, now, yes. Anything? Uh, so, you know, kind of history. What do you think of, um, of of the actor who's playing Ezra, his father, Joe Seneca? Uh, I don't know much about him. Yeah, not not as well known, I think, to the modern day audience as, as Danny no. Glover. I don't know him as well. Um, he's been a few things. I, a lot of like a lot of TV appearances, like like single episode mm-hmm. in in series. Um, what what is it? I know him from. Where is it? Oh, Crossroads. That's right. So he's you know, in uh, Crossroads mm-hmm. in '86. He was old Willie Brown with um, with Ralph Macchio in that ah. one. Um, yeah. And then this this was funny. He was also in uh, he was Mister Sweets in The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. Do, hmm. do you you probably that's before your time. You don't know that film, do you? No. <laughs> I know. Like like ninety percent of the audience is like just. The fish that saves Pittsburgh. Like, what? What kind of title of is that? Yeah. And then, like, there's that sliver. Maybe ten percent of the audience that knows that movie, and they're mm-hmm. groaning because it's, it's, it's a so bad. It's good. It's definitely worth seeking out. It's um, quick, quick summary. Like, it's there's a a basketball team in Pittsburgh that's just awful, and they hire an astrologist uh to figure out like how uh. You know who's going to be the best players? Who should they draft? You know what what team? And like for some reason they decide like Pisces. Like this is the year that the the stars are in alignment for Pisces, which is why they call it the fish that saves Pittsburgh. So they get like the worst players in the league, like complete misfits. But because of their birthdays and astrological signs, it's all going to fit together and they're going to play well. And it's just <laughs> it's you know it's it's the seventies when I get you know the. <laughs> 
<laughs> there, you know, guess, there wasn't much entertainment. Like the standards were much lower, and it's just it's an awful film, but it's it's a fun watch. I would say I'll have to check it out. Fun. Maybe it's streaming somewhere. Um, yeah, maybe it is. So that's yeah. yeah. So um, so old Ezra here was in the fish that saves Pittsburgh, and uh, he was in School Days, the the Spike Lee joint. He was the president of um of the college, President McPherson. Oh, okay. And a couple okay. things, you know, that was I don't. A good yeah, movie. I don't yeah, I I, I kind of recognize him. He looked familiar. Obviously, I don't know him as well as as Danny Glover. And uh, um, <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, so we got Malachi, really- we got Ezra, we got you know Red and Scruffy, McKendrick yeah, Land. Right. And I jumped uh, the gun. You're right. I, the minutes ran together on me. Yeah, this is okay. the next minute is a good minute too. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll talk about next minute. So any yeah, yeah. anything else for uh, for fifty six you wanted to cover? No, no, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I feel good. Oh, I just uh, my my last little note. I just want to throw out in case that someone hasn't mentioned it. Uh, barbed wire was invented in 1867. Uh, so going back to that themes of of land and keeping cattle out if you're trying to farm and whatnot. So mm-hmm. so barb. So I guess we're. I don't know if they ever say. I think we're like in what the 1880s. Yeah, uh, is is when this occurs. So yes. so barbed wire is still a relatively new thing, and they're going their way out west. So uh, you know not everything's been fenced off and, and closed in. And so you got mm-hmm. cattle run all over the place, but um, mm-hmm. so the, yeah, so that kind of wraps it up for, yeah. uh, I think for us for, for a minute 56. Absolutely. So Brian, if this is uh, the listener's first exposure to you, why don't you tell them, you know, if they want to hear more, where can they find you? <laughs> At next scene pod, anywhere you get your, your MP3s, your podcast, you just look for us. And you'll get a, some great episodes to, uh, to listen to. <laughs> well, you, you'll get some episodes. That's for sure. <laughs> you'll um, get, yeah, you'll so get yeah. some episodes. you get some great episodes. Yeah, some some great, some some episodes. Yeah, uh, yeah. so nextscenepod.com and nextscenepod on the social media and everything. Um, you can also find more of Silverado. You can check us out on uh, the Midnight Star, which is the Silverado Minute Listener's Saloon on Facebook. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Silverado. MXM. Um, and so that, uh, you know, until next time, we'll, I don't know, we'll see you next time. See we'll you see next it. Time. <laughs> we'll see you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to edit that. I'll fix that up. That's okay. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see you next time on Silverado Minute. <laughs>